1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 15th, 2016. My name is Phil Prosman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy to have you on the show a Thursday, almost to the end of the week, and we've got another game to recap as the Orlando Magic fall to Los Angeles Clippers at the Amway Center, an exciting game, one uh, that that the Magic can hold their head heads high about in some respect, but certainly uh, a disappointing outcome as well, as they did do what they needed to do to win the game, just couldn't pull out the, the shots at the end. I'll have a complete recap of that game on today's show. I'll also talk about... Aaron Gordon's big night and what that means for him moving forward, 33 points, career high 33 points for him, the high score of the night, can't believe we're saying that about Aaron Gordon, I'll be first in line to get that My Team card uh, when it's released tomorrow on NBA 2K, uh, so big, big night for Aaron Gordon, I'll talk a little bit about that on the show, and then it's finally that day, December 15th, the online, the free agents are available to trade and so I'll take a quick look at the Orlando Magic's trade assets as, of course, the rumors are going to begin to fly very, very soon. The Orlando Magic are making it no secret that they're going to be very active on the trade market this year. But before we get going, I do want to say a brief word from our pals at SeatGeek. The NBA season is, of course, back. It's already well in full swing, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There is nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it has never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside, the club seats, the upper level, the O-zone, sitting at the baseline bar, however you want to get into the Amway Center or any game or event anywhere, SeatGeek. Is the way to go. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few quick taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. I'm sure some of you that were at the Amway Center heard about the Cure Bowl, UCF versus Arkansas State this Saturday at Camping World Stadium. SeatGeek is probably a great way. is is a great way. To get your tickets to that game, if you're looking to get to the Cap- to the Citrus Bowl or the Russell Athletic Bowl later on this month, SeatGeek again, definitely the way to go. See Leonard Fournette's last game for LSU t- as he takes on Lamar Jackson of Louisville on New Year's Eve in the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. It's usually like a a green dot. That means good. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do to get your $20 rebate on tickets. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Enter the promo code LOMAGIC, that's L-O-MAGIC, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOMAGIC today. And if you missed it, couldn't get your tickets uh, to the Amway Center on Wednesday night for the sellout crowd against the Los Angeles, against the LA Clippers, uh, SeatGeek would probably have been the way to go, but you missed a doozy of a game. Another high-scoring affair, again, odd to say that with the Orlando Magic, but another high-scoring affair against the LA Clippers, 113-108. to This game really came down to the fourth quarter in the final moments. Orlando worked hard to tie the game heading into the final quarter, uh, but Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, just too much in the end. Orlando's defense could not get the stops they needed, and the offense really struggled. In the fourth quarter as well, the team just seemed to kind of run out of steam and momentum. In the fourth quarter, which the Orlando Magic lose 26-21, Orlando shoots just 8 for 23 from the floor. That's 34.8%. And while they give up only 8 for 18 shooting, uh, Chris Paul, 7 points, 2 assists, had a, had a really strong game, really picked apart the Magic's pick-and-roll defense specifically in that fourth quarter, got into the lane, fed the ball to DeAndre Jordan, worked it to Austin Rivers, got nine points on 3-for-5 shooting from beyond the arc, won uh, three of seven three-pointers that Austin Rivers made, 7-for-10, 25 points on the game for the former Winter Park High School standout here in the Orlando area. Uh, the Clippers just had a lot of things working throughout the night. Uh, their their offense was was pretty much clicking uh, on all cylinders, they scored more than 25 points in every quarter, Thirty, and they had 60 points at halftime, 30 points in each quarter, uh, kept the ball moving, kept the ball working, made shots, and really broke down the Magic's defense. Uh, again, there were pockets and moments where Orlando looked really, really good on defense, but it just didn't last long enough. Uh, fortunately for them, Orlando's offense continued to play uh, play really well. Uh, the, the offense continued to push the pace, continued to attack the basket really well, continued to to move the ball. I mean, the passing was just superb. 29 assists again for the Magic, almost back-to-back 30 assist games for the Orlando Magic. And when the Magic are getting that many assists, that's usually a good sign for their offense. Um, when they move the ball, they are a very dangerous offensive team, and they were doing that particularly well in this game. Uh, leading the way in assists, Evan Fournier with 8, Alfred Payton with 9. So 17 or 29 are coming from your two guards, Uh, that is a big deal for the Magic, of course. And lately, the offense has been playing significantly better. This is actually the first time all year the Magic have scored 100 points in three consecutive games, and it does seem like the offense is turning a little bit of a corner. Some of it certainly has to do with playing smaller lineups, getting a little bit more space out on the floor. Um, uh, Some of it does have to do with that, and Nikola Vucevic's absence is big there, but Uh, so too is it on the defensive end where the Magic continue to struggle. Uh, This game was going back and forth with a lot of points, and against a team like the Clippers, the Magic probably aren't going to win that game. They got away with it against Atlanta on Tuesday night. Tough to get away with it against the the Clippers. But, having said all that, and the Magic made plenty of mistakes in that fourth quarter, just couldn't hit shots, Jeff Green said after the game, the difference tonight was they just couldn't hit shots when it mattered, and, and it's a make-or-miss make shot lead. There, No one seemed to be too upset with the looks they were getting. They were still moving the ball. Uh, a Vogel said after the game that perhaps in the latter half of the fourth quarter, Orlando did not move the ball as effectively as they did in the first half of the quarter. Uh, and that hurt them as uh, the Clippers pulled away. They scored the first seven points of the fourth quarter. So the Magic were playing catch-up the entire 12 minutes. Uh, got within three a few times, but just couldn't quite get over the hump. But... Put it, pushing the scales back a little bit, taking a step back. It's been a very difficult stretch for the Orlando Magic. This was a winnable game, but this is still a game against the LA Clippers, a title contender, and the Magic really put it out all, put it all out on the line. And if there's disappointment, it's that they didn't get rewarded for the effort that they put in this game.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, we just were grinding and you know giving everything we, we could you know, to try to get a W. And um, you know, our guys played played their hearts out, um, but just fell short.
0: That of course, Magic coach Frank Vogel after the game, and I, I, just, I don't want it to set, make it sound like there's talks of moral victories here. No one was talking moral victories. Everyone was very um, upset that they didn't get this win, and 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 kind of pinpointing the reasons why they didn't pick up this win. Uh, so it, it, it's not about saying, oh, this team played hard and that's enough. No, it's not enough. The Magic are eleven and sixteen. Uh, behind last year's pace, even. Remember last year they start, started 19-13 and 13 before they collapsed in January and February. Uh, but, you know, this is a team that does have to start figuring some things out, and it does look like they're figuring some things out on offense. Um, defensively, they've got to kind of get things back, and Vogel said after the game as well that they are doing their best to, to mitigate the slippage that they've had defensively without practice time. They've only had one practice, and... In two weeks, and they do need, I think, that time to get back together, get their legs back under them, especially. I think, I think, you know, fatigue is still very much a factor. They played a lot of games in a short amount of time, and yes, every team has to deal with that, uh, but it does have a mental effect. It does have a, a physical effect as well that uh, you sometimes can't account for. And, and as much as people, you know, hate on Nikola Vucevic's defense. Um, it, a it has gotten better, and B he does have a very calming effect on the defense. I thought uh, one of the big problems throughout this game specifically that I noticed was, uh, and I'm sure this this goes this goes for a lot of the a lot of the play as well. Uh, Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo have a tendency to overplay for blocks. Um, it, it is one of the problems with with having shot blockers like them sometimes, but they they tend to overplay for blocks, and so when you have them both in the game. They're both going for the blocked shot and the challenge rather than getting the rebound or being in good defensive positioning. Nikola Vucevic does not have that problem. He plays very good defense. He stays in good position uh, most of the time, especially this year, and maybe not other years, but this year for sure. He's done a very good job staying in position. So I do think the Magic defensively are missing him. Uh, there, you know, is rightly some concern that maybe the offense goes in the tank uh, when he gets back. And so the Magic are still kind of struggling to find. The balance that they're looking for as well, and that's going to, I think, be a continued struggle for this team for the time being until they get until they get healthy, till they get some time to kind of reset and recuperate and get themselves back on the winning track. Um, uh, the schedule does lighten up a little bit coming up here. They've got a uh, a very manageable and winnable game against Brooklyn on Friday. No offense, Brooklyn. I do think Brooklyn's a very spunky team, not a team that can overlook. Um, but If they're playing with the kind of effort, energy, passing, and togetherness that they've played the last few games on offense and bring a little modicum of defense, which they've shown in some flashes. I mean, we know they can be this good defensive team. If they do that, they have a very good shot at winning that game. And, you know, going toe-to-toe with the Clippers and their offense, they have a very good shot at winning Sunday's. I think they have a good shot at winning Sunday's game against Toronto. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win that game, but um, they certainly have an opportunity to do so, especially at home. Uh, and then you get Miami and New York uh, to more, you know, Miami's certainly a, a struggling team, uh, but a team that, that the Magic uh, can compete against, at, at, just as I think New York's a team that they can compete against too, although New York is playing some some pretty solid basketball right now. And then they're pretty much home for the rest of December. So um, opportunities still abound for this Magic team to get themselves uh, back in shape, back at going in the right direction. Uh, it seems like they're trending in that right direction. They just haven't gotten over the hump and built some some real momentum. Uh, like I said, this is a good week for the Magic, um, according to the calendar. So we'll see if they can pick up some wins here to end this week. Let's run through the box. Scores real fast. Evan Fournier scores 24 points, 9 for 17 shooting, 8 assists. As I said, did a really good job attacking. Uh, just, he does what Evan Fournier does, honestly. Just make shots when he gets them. Attacks the basket really well, made a lot of really good passes. He's really developing as a playmaker, especially since uh, Alfred Payton went out of the starting lineup. Jeff Green, 19.7 for 11 shooting, 4 for 5 from beyond the arc. Another really good game from Jeff Green. Uh, don't hold me to that, but Jeff Jeff Green's been generally pretty solid. I mean, I don't know if you can complain too much about Green since he started coming off the bench again, starting to score and produce a little bit more. Uh, Alfred Payton, 9 points, 9 assists, 4 for 12 shooting. Bismack, Biombo, 9 points. Serge Ibaka, 8 points. 3 for 10 shooting. Disappointing game. For the big men of the Magic, uh, overall, um, I thought they made a lot of mistakes. Again, overplaying on defense, a big thing, and allowing Chris Paul to get going. I thought, you know, this may be more on Vogel than them. I did think the Magic needed to mix up some coverages on Paul in the fourth quarter. Um, abandon the the kind of catching uh, mentality that Vogel has, just to give them a different look and try and force Paul out to the perimeter rather than coming straight at them at the basket where he's Really, really good. And Chris Paul's Chris Paul. He's going to make big plays. The final guy, though, on the box score that we need to talk about, and he gets his own very special segment on this episode of the Lockdown Magic podcast, is none other than Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon with a career night on Wednesday night. A, a absolutely stupendous, fantastic evening for Aaron Gordon. 33 points, 13 for 21 shooting, 4 for 8 from beyond the arc. And seven rebounds. Fantastic evening for Aaron Gordon. Uh, To me, this was the actualization of everything we've imagined Aaron Gordon to be. He made three-pointers. He had the the highlight reel dunks. He got out in transition. He uh, drove to the basket pretty confidently. He was doing all the things that make you look at him and say, this guy has it all. Because defensively, we know what he can do. Um, he was guarding J.J. Redick. I don't think I've ever seen Aaron Gordon have to guard a guy that goes off screens the way J.J. Redick does. Uh, and he was—you could tell—he was still kind of learning how to do it, and, and, and was maybe a little bit late on a few occasions. But he gave J.J. a lot of problems. He kept him from uh, getting free early, which is when the when the Clippers really like to get J.J. going, uh, and uh, just did a really good job keeping him off balance and guarding his man. I mean, I'm surprised. Gordon didn't get more turns on, on Blake Griffin. He did get his chair. I'm surprised he didn't get a turn on Chris Paul, honestly. And I'm, I'm surprised he didn't get a turn on Austin Rivers when Austin Rivers was getting hot. But Aaron Gordon did it all tonight. And the way his teammate Jeff Green tells it, it's because he really kept things simple and let things work for him.
1: He was aggressive. Uh, didn't hesitate on the shot. Uh, it was You know, he played simple. Um, You know, when the shot was there, he took it. the
0: drive was there, he got in in transition. Um, You know, he, he, he showed it all tonight. And that's kind of been the big thing with Gordon so far this year. The Atlanta Magic came into the season with kind of grand visions for Aaron Gordon. And I think most fans expected big things from Aaron Gordon. This is obviously his third year in the league now. And it was time to see him take a leap, take, you know, take a little bit more ownership over his role, and, and really begin to live up to his potential. Has to prove, obviously, that he's not just a dunker, and, and obviously he can still do that pretty well, and he did that on Wednesday night. But Gordon was really, um, the big thing with with Aaron Gordon was to see him carve out his identity. And and the Magic certainly threw a wrench a little bit in some things, perhaps by making this big deal about switching him from power forward to small forward uh, to the forward to the 3 um they they made a big deal about putting the ball in his hands a little bit more trying to run him off pick and rolls uh and you know letting him giving him the green light to shoot it uh Gordon obviously had to continue working continue working on his shot and and, and improving that and his percentages are certainly not there yet but he's shown a lot more confidence with the shot he's shown a lot more uh, willingness to take that shot uh, and that is a good thing in and of itself as well. Uh, but it has been a long slog for Gordon. He just hasn't been consistent, and the Magic have had to kind of shake up the way they use him. At the beginning of the year, Gordon kind of looked like he was trying too hard to do all these new things that the Magic wanted him to do. Um, he was trying too hard to be that ball handler, to be that primary scorer, and, and that he wasn't necessarily quite ready to do that, perhaps. Um, and the Magic had to kind of you know, scale him back a little bit. They've turned him into more of a spot-up shooter. They've posted him up a little bit more. They've looked to get him the ball in areas where he can make simple plays. And yeah, he's still struggled maybe with trying to be a, a little bit too much and do a little bit too much. But he's also begun to conform more to a role. And that was fully realized in Wednesday's game. The Clippers... We're happy to let him shoot threes all night, and he buried him for it, and he shot it with confidence. He didn't take it as an insult. He took it as an opportunity. When the Magic got things going again, uh, he was the recipient of some great passes. When they got out in transition, he was running with them, attacking the basket when he had the ball, dunking it. Um, Alfred Payton had a fantastic play where he threw an alley-oop lob to to Gordon uh, while he was running along the baseline, and Gordon did an overhead dunk. I mean, this that's the kind of stuff you expect to see from a talent like Aaron Gordon. But he really began to like put all the pieces together offensively. And defensively, he was solid as usual. And, and that's why this game turned out to be so special for Aaron Gordon.
1: Yeah, at his best, uh, again, at his best, he's a two-way wing player that is taking any matchup that comes his way uh, defensively. Uh, we put him on J.J. Redick uh, tonight. You would not even think about that last year when he's playing power forward. And he did a great job to start the game. They like to get him going early in the game. And, and Aaron was draped all over him, did a great job on him. And, you know, much like I used Paul George in, in the past defensively, um, you know, we like the ability to put him on point guards and, you know, use his length and space and, um, you know, be able to switch things where he can switch on to a big and our bigs have switchability. So there's some really good things there. Um, it's all new to him, you know, asking him to guard a point guard, um as the first matchup is new Uh, so this is part of us growing as a team um but the offense is is something that you know i don't expect to get 33 points from him every night but you know i encourage him to you know explore his game within uh, the team concept and um you know keep shooting the basketball he works extremely hard on his three-point shooting um and he's capable of what capable of what he did tonight and for the most part making good decisions so i mean you know it's a great all-around basketball game for him so I'm proud of him.
0: And obviously, uh, as Jeff Green said, and I think Jeff had the, had the right analysis here, Gordon really kept things very simple. He didn't force anything, and that's been, as I said, a problem for Gordon throughout this early part of the season, is it seems like he's trying to do all these things that people expect him to do, or that the team seems to expect him to do, that he just hasn't perfected yet. And, and if you look at you know nba.com's player tracking stats he's probably one of the worst pick and roll ball handler players in the league he hasn't had a lot of success there and so the magic phased that out and he's not doing it as much anymore he's you know making smart plays and what stood out Wednesday more than anything else was he was shooting confidently and he wasn't forcing anything everything felt very smooth very comfortable and his confidence grew into my confidence i mean when when gordon was taking those shots when gordon was making those plays they always felt like the right play, and and that's a huge step forward for the young player. There was, of course, the one big disappointment, though, which uh, Aaron expresses here in this final clip. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, part of my package. You know,
1: um, if they're bigger, I'm quicker. If they're smaller, then I can overpower. So um, it worked out tonight. Uh, I'm just disappointed that we couldn't get the win.
0: And, of course, that leads us into the big, probably, topic, the big day, December 15th, of every calendar year in the NBA is a big day, uh, at least uh, un- unless it's been changed in the latest collective bargaining agreement, which was, of course, agreed to, uh, or at least agreed to in principle on Wednesday. December 15th, of course, is the first day that players who are signed in the offseason can be traded. It is the unofficial opening of of the trade market, and the Orlando Magic have made it no secret, and literally have made it no secret, that they're going to be very active in trade talks this season. They're not going to sit on the sidelines, and they're going to be proactive to improve this roster. As we've noted, as we've said, as I think we all sense, this feels like a season that is playoffs or bust for the Orlando Magic. They're not sitting around waiting for players to develop anymore. They're not sitting around you know hoping to continually get better even though you know some of us might still think that that is a worthy goal this magic team wants to win now and looking at this team sitting at 11 and 16 it's got potential still but it's also very clearly flawed and they're outside the playoff picture right now and the magic are going to be pushing to get in to that postseason picture they got a few months to do so but they made it no secret they're going to do it in fact Alex Martin's went on uh, uh, Scott and, uh, Inez in the afternoons on ESPN Orlando 580 AM uh, and pretty much said we are going to be active in the trade market. Um, that you know to, that tomorrow starts trade season and we're we're going to explore everything. That doesn't necessarily mean the Magic are going to make a trade. It doesn't mean they're going to make a trade December 15th. I don't expect a trade until closer to the deadline. To be honest, maybe in January if if things continue to head south this Magic team is going to make deals, is going to look for a way to make deals. And if you believe uh, the reports, and and Josh Robbins of the Orlando Central reported a few weeks ago that the Magic will be looking for a score. Brian Windhorst of ESPN.com says the Magic are looking for point guard help and an offense in general. Uh, The Magic have needs they need to fill and and players they need to target. But right now, sitting here on December 15th, I don't want to speculate about names. I don't want to speculate about who's on the trade market. Right now this being the first day of the trading season in the NBA, I want to talk a little bit about who the Magic have to give up. What are their trade assets? And I think the biggest one right now is, and probably the one the Magic are probably most willing to part with, is Jeff Green. Jeff Green's had a kind of up and down career. He makes believers out of people and then disappoints them inevitably. That's kind of been the M.O. in his career He's had that cycle happen in Orlando where he played really, really poorly and everyone was wondering, what is he doing on this team? And he's had stretches like he's had recently where he's played extraordinarily well. And and Green has done well. 19 points again on Wednesday, uh, following up a 16-point game on Tuesday in Atlanta. So he's played well. Um, What Green does is, is really good off the bench, to be frank. I think that's really his... His role, but the reason why he's such an attractive trade piece, or, or uh, something that the magic can can offer up, is because he's an expiring contract, and because he is making fifteen million dollars this year, uh, according to the various contract sites. Because he's making fifteen million dollars this year, the magic can take back fifteen million dollars, or roughly sixteen uh, something million dollars in a trade straight up for him. That should get you a quality rotation player, or certainly a starting caliber player in this league. Regardless, uh, the only reason a team would acquire Green in that situation, I think, is to start clearing salary for the summer, and I don't think any team is quite ready to do that, so it wouldn't surprise me if Green is moved at the deadline, but I don't think he'll be moved right now. Serge is in the same boat. Serge has had an up-and-down season with the Magic. Generally, he's been very good, and has had a positive effect on the team. Played very well offensively as as well. Ibaka's in that same boat, though. Expiring contract. If the Magic are unsure if they're going to re-sign him, and they're out of the playoff picture by February, they've got to move Ibaka. I, I'm sorry. There's there's no way around it. They've got to see what they can get for him And figure out uh, if he's worth. I mean, if he's not worth keeping around, they've got to get something for him. Uh, They can't. They shouldn't let him go into free agency because, of course, if the bottom has fallen out at that point and they're willing to let Ibaka go, that means they're getting ready for another rebuild. And so they need to rebuild some some young assets, uh, and or at least move on to a new phase. And whatever they can get for Ibaka can help set the table. For that next phase of Orlando Magic basketball, that scenario—and again, same thing with Green—that scenario is still far off in the distance. The Magic are still in this playoff hunt; they're they're not out of it. They string some wins together. They're back being buyers. You trade Ibaka if you're a seller. Um, the Magic aren't sellers quite yet at the deadline. Green, you move to help another team to see if you can mine another team for some assets. Whether it helps you win now or builds builds something back up for the future. Uh, that that contract is just too appetizing. Uh, someone will want it to uh, to try and uh, clear some cap space for what should be another busy NBA free agent summer, a much deeper free agent pool, mind you, as well. So perhaps the magic look to move him there. I think the guy who's most likely to get dealt, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you feel, is Nikola Vucevic. Vucevic is on a very affordable, team-friendly contract, making, I think he makes $12.5 million this year and twelve point seven five million next year. Um, he obviously produces really well. He's shown a lot of improvement on the defensive end. Great stretchability as a center has added that three-point shot to his game. He is a quality player that could get the Magic something, or at least get conversations going. Um, whether Vucevic can be a starting center in this league, I think is still a little bit up for debate, at least for a winning team. Maybe he can now with the way he's been playing lately. I think the Magic could certainly use to see him back in the starting lineup at some point too, but... Perhaps not. We'll we'll we, Maybe we'll cross that road a little bit later. You can go back and listen to my podcast on the Orlando Magic starting lineups from a few days ago. But Vucevic has trade value uh, in that affordable contract, that he is a productive player. Whether that nets you something really good is another question entirely. I also think at this point, it's probably likely that Mario Zonia's name will get thrown around a lot. Uh, he's still at that stage where Teams will blame the situation more than him for his struggles and for him being out of the rotation. And so there's probably a team out there that believes in him enough to take a chance on him and give him the playing time that he needs and might be willing to give up a veteran to get him. Uh, obviously, the problem with Izzoni is he's on a rookie contract, which means it's virtually nothing. It's it's not a big contract at all. And so uh, he would probably have to be included in a bigger deal, either involving Jeff Green, to bring in some bigger salaries and really move the needle. Uh, I, I don't think the Magic are willing to trade Aaron Gordon at this point unless they're getting a star back in return. Uh, Biombo and Fournier just started their new deals. I don't think they're uh, on the block quite yet. Um, again, wouldn't surprise me if you hear their names bandied about. Uh, and other than that, uh, CJ Watson's probably a, a big trade asset at this point too uh, because his contract is semi-expiring. He's only got $5 million guaranteed for next year. For... Um, uh, not, not, Oh, no, I'm sorry. His contract is non-guaranteed next year. He's making $5 million. Uh, Jody Meeks is in the same boat. $7.5 million contract expiring this year. He'll be a free agent next summer. So the Magic can help teams. If the Magic are looking to make deals, um, obviously they should have a target list of players that they'd like to, to inquire about and figure out about. And who knows who those players are at this point? I'm not going to speculate. But what the Magic's trade strategy to me should be is we've got a lot of these expiring contracts with veteran players. Let's see if we can find teams that are looking to clear cap space and willing to give up some long-term money. Not a lot of long-term money because um, I don't think that, that that would benefit the Magic necessarily unless they're really pushing all in or they feel they're right on the edge and they need to get, they need to get over. Um, let's find teams that are looking to clear cap space for free agency this summer and offer up our expirings and take off, take off you know, a player with a big deal on their hands. I'll speculate here. I think Denver's an interesting prospect. They've got Wilson Chandler, who's uh, got, I think, one more year left on his deal. they got Danilo Gallinari, who's got a player option this summer that he can exercise. Um, if the Magic are willing to take on Kenneth Reed and his big contract, they might be willing to deal some of those players for some of the expiring contracts that the Magic are willing to offer. Um, a lot of people have thrown Phoenix around. I don't know what Phoenix is up to, so I, I don't want to speculate too much. But again, there's there are deals to be made. But my only word of caution at this point to those eager to see the Magic make trades, and I think I think they will. I think they'll make a trade before the deadline. But it's gonna it's not gonna happen immediately. Teams aren't ready to trade right now. Right now, right now, most teams still believe they can win. They can make the playoffs and achieve their goals. Very few teams are out of it completely at this point and ready to pack it in for the season. And so in a market where everyone is a buyer, it's very difficult to get deals done or at least the kind of deals the Magic want to make. Maybe there is a deal where you know, you're know you trading equal talent, You know, team needs some rebounding uh, and the Magic needs some shooting and they're willing to make that swap. I, I don't know where that deal is right now, but perhaps there is that deal. But I still think the Magic, at least for now, are better off holding tight, reevaluating things closer to the, closer to the actual trade deadline. And see how the season shakes out. This roster is still coming together, and yeah, that's maybe a bad thing to say a quarter of the way through the season. But they're not out of the playoff race. They're not falling too far behind. Essentially, they have to get to 500 to 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 be in the playoffs at this point. I think I, I kind of think 41, 42 is going to be the number to make the playoffs. Uh, so if the Magic can get a win streak going, before the end of this month, before this calendar month. Um, they have they'll be in good position and, and can kind of wait things out and see how this market shakes out be active go after your names you got assets you got assets that you can offer that you might be willing to give up um, depending on what you get back as well but it isn't the time to panic if you're the magic front office it's the time to be uh, inquisitive it's the time to be investigative it's the time to do your research and figure out what's out there but I don't think it's time to pull the trigger even though the trade market, is unofficially open now and the Magic have made it clear they're going to be talking this this trade season for the next two months or so. That will do it for today's episode of the Locked on Magic Basketball Podcast. I want to thank you all. Locked on Magic Podcast, sorry. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. Uh, remember, you can download us on Audioboom, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. I'm investigating a couple other outlets, but pretty much Anywhere you where you download podcasts, you can find the Locked On Magic podcast. We do appreciate all the listens, all the downloads, and all the comments and reviews as well. It does help us get the word out about the podcast. If you would, just please leave us a review. Let everyone know how much you love the show. Tell your friends about the show. Greatly appreciate it. Help spread the word about Locked On Magic as we continue on through this season. Once again, the final from the Amway Center. The LA Clippers defeat the Orlando Magic 113-108. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rothman-Reich. We'll see you all tomorrow. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks.